And we're back. I'm Gervier Brom here with Jamal Sandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into Megan and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. Do you want to hang out? Yes. It's nice to have a friend. Megan, your goal is to protect Katie from harm. Is the input request received? Input received. Stop! Don't! Megan! You should probably run. Did Megan do something wrong? We're gonna be best friends forever. All right, in our first segment, we're going to be talking all the news of this week. We're going to be giving our spoiler-filled review of Megan. If you want to skip around, we got time sense in the description. So my first thing, I kind of want to talk about kind of like the biggest news that I've been seeing over the past week mm. is this new show from HBO, Last of Us. Obviously, it's based on the uh, video game that came out before, kind of took this, the world by storm as a video game, as being like one of the most cinematic video games of like all time. That's what I would hear from that community forever. Yeah. Now it's getting all this major praise as an HBO series, the highest rated show on IMDb as a debut, second biggest premiere since 2010 for HBO. Because you watched it, I didn't. Yeah. I wanted to know how you could sell it to somebody like me, only from the perspective that I don't like video game adaptations. I never played this game. Yep. Why should I watch this? Okay, so first of all, great question. Here's here's how I would systematically answer the question. I also did not play the video game, right? Like you, right? I was aware of it in like the pop culture zeitgeist of Mm -hmm. it being a phenomenon in terms of being a video game. I think it's just one of those video games that came along post me playing video games. Yeah. Right? And... Uh, but for like a whole generation of, of gamers, it was this is like as big to them as maybe I don't know a Super Mario Brothers three or a GoldenEye or something Mario Kart would have been. It's so to funny me. to like talk about this in like video game context when like we have zero nothing to add to that conversation, right? right? Nothing. So again, from a, from a standpoint of everyone just saying how compelling this story is, yeah. and the fact that because you and me haven't played the video game, we are going into this blind, yeah, right. So that's cool. The fact that. A video game was so successful based on story alone, mm-hmm. right? Means that, okay, there's something there. Yeah. Number one. Number two, it's HBO. Look at the resume. They do not miss. Very rarely do they miss, yeah. in fact, right? And if you think about some of the big franchises that they've done in the past, you think about The Sopranos, more recently Game of Thrones, when they want to go all in on a property, they will throw a lot of money at it. Watching this first episode, Pedro Pascal's in this damn series, right? We're big fans of him. But like watching this first episode, I'm like, yo, there's money on this. Mm-hmm. They're not messing around here. The production value alone is absolutely incredible. That first episode, as far as pilot goes, it just hooks you in immediately. Yeah. You get what's going on and you kind of have an idea of where they're headed in terms of the storyline. And I feel like once you watch that first episode, it feels like they're going to hook you in. They're going to hook you in for the ride. And also I have to add, it's nice that I'm finally after a long time watching something that i'm not binging in one sitting like this has now become weekly appointment viewing for me i'm gonna be trying to watch this every week as when the episode drops i'm gonna try and watch it live which i haven't done in a while yeah and it may not be the case that i can watch it live every single week maybe i'll watch it the, the the day after like on on demand or something but i have to say like so far everything about this show seems amazing and the, and the final point i want to make and it kind of goes back to one of your apprehensions video game yeah, adaptations yeah, yeah. that's actually what i was about to just about to bring up right and like i get it man like historically they've been bad big screen small screen they've been really really bad i feel like hbo has done something or at least it looks like they've done something here where 
the fan base seems to be incredibly happy so far with this first episode. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're listening to the community, they're listening to the fans, they're actually working in collaboration with the creators of the original game, which is good to have them on board in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe this is... I feel like 2023, by the way, could be the year where the whole mindset changes. Like if The Last of Us, by the time we get to the end of this first season you know, continues its success in terms of rating and we get a second season greenlit and all that kind of good stuff. We know we have a Super Mario Brothers movie coming out, which honestly could be huge for Nintendo. Like if that movie blows up at the box office as incredible numbers, maybe that's one way of Nintendo finally thinking we have this incredible IP. Think about a Zelda movie. Think about all the things we could think about down the road from a TV and movie side of, of things when it comes to Nintendo and video games. Maybe this is a year that the perception of a quality adaptation of your favorite video games changes altogether. It's funny that you bring that up because that's always been my hesitation. Is like I don't want to watch um, any show or movie that's based on like a video game because I have the hesitancy of like there's already a visual medium for this. You know what I mean? It already exists. What do we need? someone to act out something that's already there and then it's almost like in like what i've seen over here is like a lot of shot for shot kind of remakes Mm. right which makes me go okay cool that seems like a fun thing for people who played the game but i don't really care as far as like a non-player right right? I'm, i'm just watching this as like a show if the show's good i'm more interested in that but i love that idea of like breaking down the barrier of like an entry point for video games to enter this space because when you talk about this project of like a legend of zelda video game turned movie has always been kind of on the wish list of every single video game fan for like a movie adaptation Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of crazy to think like if that if that was ever made in the past like 10 years it would have been terrible. It would have been really, really bad. But mm. for something like this to come along and actually yeah. like find a space to exist and like really captivate people that aren't just fans of the video game, that feels like it's hopeful. Because I would love to see something like The Legend of Zelda like adapted in that way. I feel like almost every genre or subgenre almost needs a moment. Yeah. For everyone to wake up and realize what is possible. And I feel yeah. like we've had that over the last kind of like 15 years or so with what we've seen Marvel do with comic book adaptations and the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. done right, if done correctly, look at the the benefits, look at the rewards you can reap. Yes. And I feel like, again, with these two examples, The Last of Us in terms of a TV show, and let's see what the Super Mario Brothers movie looks like, mm-hmm. this could be that pivotal moment. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. shift could happen here. Something has to like pass or break that glass ceiling yeah for there to be opportunity for everybody else mm-hmm. and like it's very much the same kind of truth for like anything else that's trying to be made and look at the history of video games yeah. think of the ip that is out there think of the potential adaptations that you could uh, to you know you could work with i mean everything seems like it could be an instant franchise if done correctly yeah i'm not gonna lie there is still like a bit of hesitation for me and i'll tell you what it is mm. it's not just the fact that it's a video game it's the fact that all these fans are like loving it because if the video game fans are loving it, it makes me think, okay, cool. I could have just played the video game then. I don't even have to watch this. Right. Right? Like, it, it feels like it's, like, uh, non-consequential right now. I need... I'm waiting for, like, that moment almost that makes me go, like, no, 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 It's different. You got to watch it. Right? Like, I almost wait for that moment because I'm sure that's about to happen. Yeah. I'm almost, I almost, like, that's the energy that I'm getting from the room. It feels like that, whatever that is, it's, it's about to happen. It's not just like, oh, man, if you really like this game, you're going to really love this show. I'm waiting for that next moment. Another thing I will say is when The Walking Dead first dropped, 
I was a big fan instantly. And then it, season after season, it got less compelling. I felt like they were drawing it out. They were going in directions that I wasn't interested in. Yeah. And they lost me as a viewer. I think after like the, I think the fifth season, they just, oh, I, I just kind of tapped out. I gave up. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. Right. And one of my personal hesitations with The Last of Us was, you know, based upon what little information I knew was, all right, cool. There's going to be zombie-like cre- you know, creatures in this world. How they're going to like, you know, show us and kind of extrapolate on it on, on presenting that in a new way. The way they presented that in this new way, I really, really like. Okay, okay. Honestly, like the zombie apocalypse and the end of the world has always been like a topic I've been so interested right, in. So right. I'm very curious to see that. That is like a very, the most compelling part about the show for yeah. me. So. I, I think you'll dig their kind of, Again, based on just one episode here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll dig the way they, they've set everything up here. It's so funny because, like, what if the rest of the show is trash and it's just the best debut episode? It we would have suck, no right? Clue. We have <laughs> yeah. no clue. Let's yeah. see what happens. Speaking of the growing world that is HBO Max, Matt Reeves says that he's going to have a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran in a few weeks to discuss his long-term plans for the Batverse, which basically confirms the Batverse, which is what we've always wanted yeah. for the past year, essentially, since Batman came out. We've been talking about, like, okay, cool, I want to live in this world. And it's really great confirmation that we are basically going to live in this world now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's music to my ears. And I I don't know, I guess James Gunn is going to figure out a different Batman for, I guess, his DCU. And what I wonder if they're going to do that. Do they? I don't know. Like, how many? Do they have to bring a Batman? Maybe, maybe not. But, like, like, again, how if they're going to build a DCU and they're going to do like their version of Justice League, right? With how, how long can you go? Where, oh, you've got Flash and Superman and who knows, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, you know, Aquaman, whoever else they're going to have in that. How long can you go before it's like odd that Batman isn't involved? You know what, though? I don't know. Do you think like the idea, like the the only problem I have with uh, the idea of the Justice League going forward is how much of an appetite do people have for that franchise? You know what I mean? Great like, question. Because I, I don't know if I really care about the Justice League right now. And I would probably need a little bit of time as a fan to like let that memory of Zack Snyder's version yep kind of go away I end up agreeing with you here and I feel like ultimately what James Gunn and his team are going to do they are, they are eventually going to build to a justice and the thing is they are probably going to give us the appetite for it yeah. if they do what we think they're going to do yeah. they're going to give us the appetite exactly. for a justice, if justice you were to movie. tell me like you know what after a trilogy of Batman movies he's going to enter this they're going to merge this Batverse into this Justice League universe you know what at some point we're gonna be fine right we're not gonna be mad at it because of like the goodwill that i'm hoping that they will have established by then yeah but i think there's also the possibility that you know james gunn's a weirdo and he's gonna do whatever he wants and just Mm. and they don't necessarily need a batman maybe in this universe batman's replaced by nightwing or something like that yeah whatever it is right like we don't know like whatever is gonna be the story that's gonna be told but Mm. i really don't think the limitations of like what has to happen in like the immediate idea of a justice league has to really happen anymore because we've lived in that world. And, and also, I'm just happy with what we're getting in the short term. Yeah. Like, we know that James Gunn is going to be working on a Superman movie. And that's still a good few years away yeah. from, like, being developed and you know, shot until we get released. In the meantime, let's get another Batman movie. Yeah. Let's get these HBO Max TV shows and let Matt Reeves do what Matt Reeves wants to do. And I feel like so far... That's been very well received yeah. by everybody. And speaking of that, uh, Matt Reeve also said that the Penguin series will tie into the Batman 2. I'm very curious to see, number one, like the biggest thing I kind of walk away with is the the result of like the MCU. Yeah. Seeing how many people actually don't really watch those shows and then they go watch the movie. 
there's a huge amount of people that go and watch those like massive movies like Doctor Strange. The amount of people that watch Doctor Strange, I don't think matches the amount of people that watch WandaVision. Mm. So there must be a little bit of a disconnect that's happening over there. And I worry about uh, just any franchise going forward that's kind of trying to do a model that kind of blends both of those together. Or, and I think this is probably what they're going to try and do, is like if you watch absolutely everything, you're going to maybe be A, more invested and have maybe extra payoffs. But at the same time, if you just watch the movies and don't watch a TV show, there's enough connective tissue where it'll kind of be very self-explanatory in terms of what's going on and what's happening kind of catch you up to speed i hope so i, I hope i think that's got to be the way they have to do this right because okay on, on the other end is like the mandalorian is coming back with season three mm. i wonder how many people are going to be like wait grogu's back with Din Djarin? like i don't understand how, how did that happen right because they didn't see book of boba fett maybe right you know what i mean so like if they're not i think that's a different case i feel like if you're a star wars fan and you're already baked into the disney plus experience there's no way you would have watched Mandalorian and not watched Book of Boba Fett. I don't know, man. You think I, so? I think you there's think... a lot of people that probably were like, I think this is probably skippable. Like, how many of them were like, because you would have to have heard from a friend that like, okay, cool, I get it. Like, you're not going to watch this, but like, mm. you got to make sure you watch these two episodes. That's interesting. I, I'd be, sh- I, I personally would be shocked if after the first episode of season three, The Mandalorian, I see comments on Twitter like, yo, why is Grogu here? Like, I, I personally would be shocked. Listen, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying know. that people aren't going to be like aware. Maybe they explain it. Maybe they explain it. I think people are going to be aware of like why it happened and yeah. how it happened. I'm right. sure they can just do a little like cutscene before the show sure. starts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like that payoff that you're talking about. Mm. I think it gets like super hit when you don't actually watch the actual content. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're not watching the show, the payoff in the movie is like jack shit. Wanda was not a th- like... I can't imagine her being a satisfying villain if you didn't watch WandaVision. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, 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 I agree. And I think that's where the the extra layer of payoff comes to. And I think that's what they're banking on. It's like maybe enough fans are invested to watch everything. Like enough. Not everyone, but enough where they're like, we can do this. And if we can just bank on X number of people, enough of the pie chart that will watch everything on our streaming service and then also see the payoff in the movie, that's enough for us to kind of like greenlight this and the numbers make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One last story that I want to talk about and I think maybe the craziest story, I think. Antoine Fuqua is set to direct a Michael Jackson biopic. Um, I think that's crazy. Mm. This is going to be like one of the more, one of the most interesting biopics ever because it's one of the most iconic human beings that's ever existed in pop culture ever. You know what? We're just coming off Elvis and you you look at the job that Baz Luhrmann did. And, and again, talk about the perfect director in terms of what he has done on his resume. Mm. It's like you couldn't have asked for a, more, a better filmmaker to tackle the Elvis biopic, right? Yeah. And the movie was fantastic and we've, we've been praising it and let's see how well it does during Oscar season as well, right? Mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua doesn't have a sort of resume when I look at it that fits into a Michael Jackson biopic. Like, yeah. like, it's a bit of a a bit of a left field choice. Mm-hmm. Not that he's not capable of doing it, yeah. but I, I do feel like it's a, a monumental task. Yeah. Like whoever is cast as, as Jackson, maybe they have different actors that play him at different stages. I don't know how they're going to work with that but that is and, and what part of the story do they tell do they tell the full story all the way and the aftermath or do they just pick a a, a section of his life i don't know man that, that's, that's a, a big that, one that's that could a big be like one. a trilogy of a biopic like, easily so much to be told jackson's five alone just, ja- just that's it, alone yeah exactly if you did a jackson five movie and then you did the 80s and then 
everything after that. Those are three separate movies completely. Yeah. And they're completely different topics. And every, you could talk about basically the crazy childhood that he had in the first yeah. one. And later on, obviously, like all those allegations and stuff like that. And then in the middle, the massive success. Like this is going to, it writes itself, number one, as yeah. a movie. There's a three-hour structure right there. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, who could you possibly see who is that actor that's going to even try to like take on a role this crazy i think it has to be an unknown i think it has to be what baz Luhrmann did with picking austin butler who was basically an unknown yeah right i haven't seen anything uh prior to elvis personally yeah um he's certainly not a household name that he, certainly not a household name right? but like he definitely had like that pedigree of like article right, who's been in like tarantino movies and like sure. all these other like smaller roles yeah but for him to finally like step up and be this is like leading man stuff exactly. yeah 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 this is like change your life maybe win an Oscar kind of stuff yeah, yeah, right exactly and the crazy thing is like with Michael Jackson it's it's almost more demanding if you ask me like it's one thing to like alright cool I gotta, you gotta move like Elvis you gotta dance like Michael Jackson he's one of one there's nobody that's ever been able to dance like Michael Jackson I know like, I don't know who's gonna be able to like Everyone is going to be criticizing and talking about split screen. They're going to do the split screen moonwalk. The, yeah. the very first moonwalk is like, yo, let's see if he nailed it or didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be funny to see how they kind of execute this because there is a little bit of like, you know, at the end of the day, praising Michael Jackson on one side is like, uh, is almost like a worthy pursuit of like showing on screen because like he, he popularized so many different things yep. in pop culture. If people were wearing one glove in society like it was a normal thing the, the red jacket yeah thriller like it's like so many different things were like popularized by this dude and then for like later on when like you know all this other stuff came out it completely tainted his like uh his legacy but mm. it's weird because you have to almost talk about in the light of what was happening at the moment i'm very curious to see how that's going to be received and how a movie like this is going to be received overall also i wonder what lens everyone involved in this project kind of makes this movie on because you saw how uh, intertwined the Presley family were with Baz Luhrmann and the yeah. production of Elvis. They were they were very much kind of like working in collaboration in terms of making sure things were accurate. But then again, it's like, we get it. Again, what lens are we watching this through? Yeah, because there, there is like a certain little like, even though they try to credit black music with like Elvis's legacy and like see how like they try to like intertwine both of those things. Mm. I don't know how you can like tastefully talk about the stuff that happens with michael jackson without yeah. like either picking like choosing a side basically right right you know yeah. what i mean like one way or another you're you're gonna portray it in a way with based on whatever you view what happened yeah right like this is gonna be a very interesting thing because there really you could make like multiple biopics about michael jackson and they could be all very very different yeah it's man again not taking anything away from antoine fuqua but when i knew that this was going to be baz Luhrmann's project i had very high hopes and i was very confident in delivery yeah. and i was very satisfied to see what he ended up delivering yeah i don't know if i can say the same thing about this at this stage it's funny because i i really uh attribute antoine fuqua when you look at him and you look at uh, magnificent seven training day equalizer southpaw like i don't really look emancipation more recently I don't really look at this and think like, okay, cool. Like this is the guy that's like ready to make the biopic of all biopics. I know. You know what I mean? Which is a little bit disappointing on one side, but on the other side, like he most recently made emancipation. I'm almost curious to see how they kind of delve into what blackness meant to Michael Jackson and how they execute something like that. How, right. What is, well, like, obviously like all like the problems with like his own childhood and how that messed him up for like later on. Like, how are they going to deal with all of this stuff? Plus, see all those movies you listed and who he's kind of worked with. 
I wonder if he gets any previous collaborators on board with him because outside of just the Michael Jackson casting, there are so many key massive characters yeah. in that story to yeah, cast yeah. as well. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, next thing I want to talk about obviously is the movie of the week. Uh, we're talking about the AI adventure of Megan. You're just a stupid rubber doll, fake head. <gasps> Let go! You need to learn some manners, Brandon. You know what happens to bad boys that don't mind their manners? They grow up to be bad men. Are you listening to me, Brandon? Megan? This is the part where you run. First thing, Joma, obviously you're not a huge fan of horror movies. Yeah. And the whole time I was kind of trying to sell this to you. You were like, pitching me hot. I, I, was, it, man. I, I watched it and I was like, dude, like, Joma, you gotta watch, you're not gonna not like this movie. It's not a horror movie. And had I not watched it this weekend, we would have not been reviewing it this week. Yeah. You were the only one that watched it between the two of us. And I was like, dude, you gotta watch it. And first off, I'm almost curious because I want to just talk about like, what were your hesitations kind of walking into this movie? I just, from the... The optics, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like another cheap thriller, cheap thrill horror movie mm-hmm. that's kind of just like off the conveyor belt. It's an indie movie, small budget. It's like it's being released in that kind of like January window when there isn't really up against much competition. So maybe that's the angle that's kind of going in. And like, and again, optics, right? It's just perceptually, I just like, yeah, not for me. I'm going to give it a skip and I'm going to focus my January on just kind of catching up on all the big movies that I missed out in the previous 12 months mm-hmm. that I know are going to be getting a lot of pl- uh, praise during award season. Then it starts to make some money. You then pitch me multiple times, watch this movie, watch this movie. And I felt like, you know what? There's literally nothing else out at the cinema that is actually worth my time watching. Megan is still out. Like it's making a lot of money. And had it not been for Avatar just continuously crushing it at the box office, it would have been the number one movie back to back weekends very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Screw it. Let's do it. Punch the ticket. Let's go and watch it and see what this is all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I- I'm sure it just completely destroyed any expectation that you had. Like, not even from, like, delivering, but yeah. just, like, what you thought the movie was going to be. So, uh, this isn't a horror for me. Yeah. I had a... Lo- this is a comedy. This is, like, so funny. I had such a... I, ha- I was laughing so much throughout yeah. the entire movie. What? And it was a fun experience watching it. I had the best version of an experience to watching this because not only was... I knew, like, I was watching a movie that was going to be sassy. Right. That was going to be kind of fun. All these different factors on top of being, like, a horror movie, on top of being a thriller and delivering, like, a, like a psychological element. And a suspense. It. All of this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had, like, a whole row of high school girls sitting behind me. Me. right so on one side i would normally be like okay i'm gonna tell these girls you're talking too much yeah but they added so much of commentary you know <laughs> like this movie it was great you know what's crazy um and i don't know who to attribute this kind of quote to but the thing that i was seeing on twitter is this is like almost like a horror movie for the tiktok generation yeah yeah right and i kind of get and understand where that quote is coming sure, from when you watch sure. the movie right you know what I, I get that too but it's almost like uh that is like that's one view for it's sure. one view but yeah. it's almost like dismissive of like all like how like I think anybody can watch this movie and get something out of it like, I agree if you're an older generation and you're watching this movie aren't you like a little bit like holy shit well here's a funny thing right so I'm gonna be 40 this year yeah. I am I can reel off a lot of references mm-hmm. to a lot of movies that I've seen over the years that I can be like oh a little bit of Chucky a yeah. little bit of Terminator a little bit of Robocop a little yeah. bit of all of this kind of stuff of course, right of course and it's yeah. fun man yeah and, and like this movie feels silly and ridiculous like you'll hear about 
note, but like also at the same time, it feels really grounded mm. and something like stupid. That would like you might be like, wow, this is really like dumb. Like why? why but like, at the same time, I'm watching this movie. And I'm like, yeah, I could see this happening. Yeah, I could see all of this happen. Like some toy maker is going to accidentally stumble upon some like AI technology that's going to destroy the planet, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that feels very real to me. Yeah. And uh, on top of that, I think this movie isn't scary because of like jump scares and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's scary because it's like grounded in that reality that like shit. I could see that happening. It's almost like you have like a weird moment of like being scared and like laughing at like yeah. these absurd moments. Like uh, one scene I'll bring up first is just the idea, almost like when uh, they're selling Megan to like this group of investors, mm-hmm. right? And you see how she makes not only like an emotional connection with the daughter, with the uh, with Katie, mm-hmm. but she also has like this big song and dance moment with her as well, which is like so absurd and it's. It, it makes them like believe in this product, but at the same time, when you when I'm watching that, it's funny to watch, and then you have like this sense of like a realization that like if that happened in real life, exactly what like they would push the green button and be like, yeah, we got to make a million of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would this is all very like plausible to me. Yeah, it kind of shows you how corporate greed works it's yeah. like you know a great idea fast track it let's mm-hmm. beat the competition let's get this into production uh, ASAP and if there's some faults with it we'll just do a recall on some and then just keep making that money yeah yeah honestly I love so many things about this movie uh-huh. um, first off I just like the idea that obviously people are like reliant on technology right mm-hmm. now right and mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to make this like a boomer conversation like that, but like it's just like the because I, I have so, like sisters who are who are raising kids and brother in laws and like so many people I know who are in that stage of their life who are like having kids right now. Yeah, but I also know a lot of it is like you're very reliant on technology to help you raise that kid right now, and that's a very much a part of reality, right? And the way they execute all of that here is like very masterful. Like obviously Gemma Allison Williams character. She's very involved in her career, and why shouldn't she be? She's like a self-sufficient woman, like, do your thing. Yeah. But then she's, like, thrust in this new responsibility of being a parent, which feels like, okay, cool, like, she can put it off, right? That's all she's trying to do. She's dealing with this immediate thing that she has to do with for, at work, and she's like, okay, cool, I'll deal with this later. And you just kind of push it off, but that's what has, like, these dire consequences. Mm-hmm. Then to see the kind of connections that the kid makes emotionally with the technology, it's like, man, if I was a parent and I was watching all of this, I would not only be terrified for like the potentiality of what could happen in the future, but like I'd look at everything that's happening right now and be like, oh my God, this is already happening. It is already happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know how many people I know that have kids and their kids have smartphones? Yeah. And like, I think to myself, right? I was like, I had my, fir- had my first smartphone when I was like 15, 16, which still seems very young, but all the smartphone could do back then or not even call it a smartphone, just yeah. a mobile it was cell, just phone. A cell phone. It was just a cell phone, right? <laughs> you can call and a you can text. Phone. Yeah, yeah, that's all you could do for years. And now it's a completely different story. You know, even even like babies and kids. Yeah, I see parents like you know give them like an iPad, which has obviously got like a baby UI interface with mm-hmm. it, but it's still kind of getting them in like you know, into the habit of swiping and looking and searching and doing all the kind of stuff, right? I feel like it's almost like an extremity. It's like a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're so like it's the same thing with us. Like if yeah. I'm using a computer and I'm typing, that yeah. feels a lot more natural right now than writing something down. Yeah, every time I write something in a birthday card or a wedding card, it feels foreign. I feel like this is the worst handwriting ever because <laughs> yeah. I barely do any handwriting anymore. I'm like almost embarrassed when yeah. I'm writing down because I know nobody's gonna be reading this besides <laughs> yeah, me, right? Yeah. And even like the little part where like Gemma's telling. Like, hey, Megan isn't a real person. Mm-hmm. Then Katie says, you don't get to say that. That's very real. Like that she's posing like this really interesting, like philosophical question. Like, how is Megan 
any less of a human experience than being on your phone all day. Right. Because people do that all, all day right now anyways. And if, if the interaction of you talking to a robot is any more weird than you talking to your phone all day. Yep. Like, I, I don't know. Like, aren't we already like, I don't know. I feel like that's like, a, these are all very valid criticisms mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. be making about society. And that's why this, this, I think this movie like translates very, very well. Yeah. It's like, it tackles the whole AI robot kind of future, what's around the corner question, but in not in, in not in a heady way. It's not in a heady you know way. I mean? Yeah, it's because it's in a way that is like very relatable right now. Like yeah. the idea, like the inevitability of at some point people fulfilling that like need for companionship yeah. through technology. That's already happening right now. And they do a lot of the stereotype stuff too. Yeah. It's like, oh no, a ma- Mega's malfunctioning because I forgot to put this kind of like component in there. Or like, you know, the guy, or David, I think his name is, played yeah. by Ronnie Chang. Amazing. And it's like, he's playing that stereotypical guy that's just trying to like sell and be kind of like the corporate greedy guy and yeah. like make that big move internally Ronnie at a company. Ch- Dude, Ronnie Chang is like the perfect shithead businessman. Yeah. Like, he yeah. plays that thing perfectly. He yeah. did it in uh, Crazy Rich Asians as well. Mm-hmm. And he does it here again. And he just seems to be really good at playing like a character who doesn't worry about anything else besides pleasing people. He's just a people pleaser. Yeah. And he's just trying to sell whatever he's doing. And he's just so good at that. And then, like, there's a scene that happens later on that's like stellar that I'm going to talk about before afterwards. But um, one person I really want to talk about is Allison Williams as Gemma. Mm-hmm. Only because like I feel like what she's doing as like a brand right now. I feel like I can trust her choices in movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She was in Get Out. And now yeah. she's in this. Yeah. Uh, she was in another movie called The Perfection, which is another horror movie that was fantastic as well. But like, uh, she, I feel like she's really establishing herself as like this brand that like, all right, cool. Her horror, I'm going to check it out. But I also feel like this is a franchise she could lead moving yeah. forward. Absolutely. Like she could be the Nev Campbell of this franchise. Yeah. It, it's funny because like, I was thinking about the idea of a franchise, right? And like, do you think there is a possible sequel idea out there beyond like Jurassic Park where like they do the exact same thing again, but they don't learn the lesson and then the exact same thing kind of happens again? I think I think always with the second movie and I'll, I always like the James Cameron idea of the second movie. Replicate the first movie, replicate what everybody loved about the first movie, just do it bigger and better and more spectacle, right? And if you look at his track record, Terminator 2, uh, aliens and even Avatar. Avatar, uh, Way of Water is actually quite has a lot of similarities to the first movie. Yeah. It's just way bigger, way more spectacular, and everything, right? And I feel like what they could do with a Megan sequel is like, you could see like it was very Indian and budgeted, and now it's just done crazy good business at the box office. What would that look like with a much bigger budget? What would the sets look like? What can some of the fight scenes look like? And who are those fight scenes between in terms of Megan and like how does she chase people? Like all that kind of stuff. And also, like again, we're just spitballing right now, but like does it have to be Megan at that certain age? Or does she like is it now Megan as a teenager, different age? Does Megan have a sister? Does Megan have uh, a Ken doll with her? Like mm-hmm. there's so many different ways. Is it a tag team now? Yeah. Like Megan and Mark? I don't know. It's very interesting to see like where they could possibly take this because there are a million different places to go, but at the same time. I wonder if like I imagine like this movie's gonna like translate. Like it's not gonna be like one of those movies that like are right, cool, it's popular in January, then everybody kinda of forgets about it. It's gonna have like a second life in like Halloween. It's gonna have a second life like like whenever people wanna watch any horror movie or dress up in a costume. By the way, great uh, great point. Now that it's had success, I wonder like if and when there's a sequel, do they be like, hmm, 
do we drop this in dry January or do we actually make this like the tentpole landmark movie of this year's Halloween season? Mm. Because that's when everyone really can kind of go in their droves, you know, goes to watch like a movie like this, yeah, right? Yeah. Or do they do what, what Scream is doing? Is this kind of go in that kind of February, March kind of period, It's right? funny that you mentioned that. Obviously, uh, we just, right before we came on here, we just saw this, but uh, they did mention that there is going to be like a Megan cinematic universe going forward. And there's going to be <laughs> Megan 2.0. And uh, the sequel right now is scheduled to be January. January 17, 2025. Okay. Which shows like kind of where they want to keep it. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I really think that a movie like this translating how it is with pop culture and like how much of a long-staying like relationship I think this is going to have with pop culture. I imagine that a movie that's a sequel is going to be humongous. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's going to be like first weekend 100 million kind of thing. Like it's just yeah. going to be huge. I, Listen, really I don't know about 100 million, but I definitely feel like it's going to be way more successful than the first movie because of everything you just said. It's going to find a second life on streaming service. It's going to find a second life through word of mouth. People are going to revisit it. Oh, I missed it in the cinema. I, I barely watched it at the cinema, right? Yeah. And that was because you were really pushing me to watch it. And obviously we do this show and I was like, oh, cool, let me just watch it, right? But I know a lot of our friends haven't watched this yet. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they'll come around watching it in like three or four months when it's like on video on demand or something. I feel like this is the kind of movie that like anyone could kind of like they'll hear about like oh you gotta watch Megan right and then it's easily one of those movies that you can kind of just throw on at home go yeah. watch it in a movie theater yeah. or whatever right yeah, it's yeah. a good night out 100% because um, like the weird thing about this movie is as crazy as this character is and like it is like a scary character at the end of the day if I had Megan living at my house I'd be terrified right? <laughs> yeah. but at the same time there's so many moments where she's acting like the horror villain but I'm rooting for her. Right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when she's chasing after that annoying kid. Yeah. You're almost rooting for this murderous toy to like give that kid his comeuppance. Right, right, right. It's a really weird relationship you have with this character because yeah. I, I imagine that people are going to really fuck with her. That's why I found it funny. It's like she was the baby face in a lot of situations. Yeah. In yeah, my yeah. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I can yeah. completely agree with that. Uh, next point I really wanted to make is number one, fantastic screenplay, by the way, because like they really talked a lot about like some interesting like ethical issues mm-hmm. about ai that uh they, they they talked about it in a non-preachy way yeah right? very it, not like i said not heady at all yeah not at all on top of that james wan was also a part of this and i always want to give james wan his flowers because in the horror space there's really nobody like him mm-hmm. right he did saw he did conjuring insidious now malignant more recently and now megan he's uh he did the story for it but how crazy is that? All these iconic movies in the past 10, 15 years, mm. and there's one dude that's fully behind them all. A, he's a master of his craft, yeah. and B, he also understands how to write for a potential franchise. Yeah. I thought I heard something. It sounded like Megan. If she comes in this room, I'll rip your head right off your neck, I swear to God. I thought about what you said. About how when something's broken, you don't just throw it away. You fix it. So that's what I'm trying to do. But don't come in here, Katie. It's kind of a mess. Aunt Jen is right, Katie. I'm all odds and ends right now. I'd really rather you didn't see me like this. <gasps> it sounds like you're fighting. We're, We're not, not fighting. fighting! Gemma just dropped me on the table. But I'm okay. Clumsy Gemma. Alright, so first off, I got like a few philosophical questions I wanted to ask you, Chumlin. All right. Some of them are heady, some of them are not. Okay. I, I wanted to go through this. I just wanted to see like what your thoughts would be on these, okay? Mm-hmm. So first off, doesn't it feel like all these things that you heard about like growing up as like problems of the future and like sci-fi movies like uh, AI even like climate change to a degree mm-hmm. all these problems were like oh that's future me's problems yeah. and now they've become like any day now me's problems right mm-hmm. like they don't feel like potentialities anymore they feel like inevitabilities mm-hmm. so what's going to be that 
catastrophic thing that takes out humanity. All right. The reason I ask this, and I know it's like a crazy thing to ask somebody. Obviously, I'm not asking how the world's going to end. Yeah. But I'm almost curious because you're big in the betting space. Right. Do you think the betting lines are stronger for climate change to destroy the planet or for something like AI? Because I feel like great question. I feel like climate change is something that would be like a long term play. Right. Like an inevitability. It's going to happen for sure. But do you think AI is going to catch it before? Betting odds, where do you get if, it? If, if I had to kind of like go one way or the other, I would probably lean more towards AI screwing us all over way before climate change gets involved. Only thing with climate change, I feel like with where we're kind of like progressing as a world with electrification of uh, of vehicles, which should be done, I hope, you know, 15, 20 years max, that should be a big part of stopping it altogether. And so AI and just like how quickly... And how rapidly and how fast, you know, computer processes are, you know, just like doubling up, tripling up every single year. Yeah. It just gets better and better. And you've got guys like Elon Musk, you know, who has an AI company and mm-hmm. like he's really all about brain transplants and having a, a microchip in your brain and all the kind of stuff. I feel like that, could you imagine where that is at in 10, 15 years? Well, that's the thing, right? Like when you say the word hope, right? Like, are you hopeful when you think of those things? Or do I you personally have, ha- uh, yeah, I get you're saying. It's like, <clears throat> do you think of it as a dark future or do yeah. you think of it as a hopeful future? Yeah. I'm always going to lean towards it being a hopeful future, but also knowing the fact that if it is a dark future, I ain't leaving no seeds behind. There's no second uh, generation sound who's coming out of me. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, that's what's kind of crazy. I'm good. Man. I'm good with it. <laughs> I fully understand that. But like, obviously there's going to be comparisons that are going to be drawn to like our own reality. Right. So what part of people's love of technology, like you just mentioned, right? Love of progress in that way, right? Like how much are they going to be accountable if something like this were to happen? Like, like for example, you're a fan of technology. Yeah. How much are you yourself feeding into like this culture that could automatically fuck up humanity forever 100 you, you ever think about that oh yeah 100 percent. and um like it's the same thing you know when all these apps ask you for permission yeah i always say yeah, yeah. my shit's already out there yeah. like me saying no to an app here and app there isn't stopping like the internet knowing who i am where i live what, my, what you know my height my all the date of birth is the information is already out in various different systems yeah and the train has left the station yeah, right? yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You can, you can, yes, I accept all the permissions. All good. No problem. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm feeding into it, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm just cool about being involved and integrated rather than think I'm off the grid. <laughs> right. In any capacity when I know that's just not the case. Like if you feel like, oh, I'm going to have like a brick phone and I'm not going to like, you know, uh, have credit cards and debit cards and I'm just going to deal in cash and that's going to be enough to keep me off the grid. Nah, you're, you're already, already fully in the grid, mate. Okay, what do you think, like, a movie like this says about, like, the celebritification of, like, billionaires and trillion-dollar companies and, like, tech moguls and all that kind of stuff? Because mm. we feed into that, too, right? Yeah. Like, we, like, somebody like Elon, right? Like, all right, cool, Elon's cool. He's, he feels, like, almost like Tony Stark, but he's not Tony Stark. You know what I mean? He's not, like, he's not all the way, like, he's doing stuff that's cool and feels like it's benefiting the world, like, like Tesla, yeah. like SpaceX and all this kind of stuff that feels very cool. But isn't there, like, a very real possibility that he's also, like, you know, somebody who might be involved in fucking up a lot of shit? For sure. I, I think about this. Bill Gates was never a cool guy. Yeah. Right? Think about Bill but Gates. But he's also a celebrity. He is a celebrity, but he was never a cool guy. People, he didn't, like, there wasn't, like, an, an army of Bill Gates fans, right? There was an army of, like, Microsoft fans, and I'm a Microsoft guy, I'm a laptop yeah. guy, all the kind of stuff, right? <laughs> I always feel like that the last, what, 20-odd years, when it comes to tech celebrities, 
first of all, it kind of goes hand in hand with how much tech has exploded with the internet. But it was really Steve Jobs, right? When he like came onto the scene or came back to Apple, introduced the iPhone, you had all the Apple marks. The ride or die Steve Jobs. Yeah. And because he kind of like, you know, passed away, it, he almost became like this. He became like a godlike figure for some people. Yeah. Like they prayed to Steve Jobs. They're like, oh, this is the, the ultimate savior of technology for some reason right it's crazy yeah and i feel like there's other people out there that don't have a similar kind of like feel to steve jobs like for example everyone loves amazon Mm -hmm. in terms of how much it affects our life and how easy it is right sure but we don't think jeff bezos is a cool guy like he's like you know got marks out there for him right you know what i feel like elon does because i feel like what elon has done with the products especially tesla has been such an underdog story that even though he's made some incredible mistakes personally professionally and there's so many things that he's done and said that i do not agree with whatsoever there's still so many fans out there of what he's been able to do because you've been on this ride and this journey with him where against all odds he's literally disrupted an entire ecosystem yeah it's true but like at the same time like that disruption at what point does he still feel like a contributor to that? And at what point is he just like a, a figurehead that's not really contributing these things? And it's almost like it's almost like a don't look up yeah. where you have like a science character mm-hmm. who or a scientist character who's like kind of pushing this idea of like, oh, these are the ideas that we're getting behind. But like low key, there's like politicians back there being like, this is what I need you to do. And this is what I need you to do. Here's how I feel about Elon. And I think a lot of people in the Tesla community especially feel uh, about Elon. It's the same way I feel about Vince McMahon mm. the WWE is good without him Tesla is good without Elon because the, like, the company itself and the brand is so strong and powerful and there are so many incredible people that work at Tesla that can continue look how um, Apple post Steve Jobs they've done absolutely fine yeah. right the the products may have plateaued now because it's, it's, it's hard to kind of really innovate and iterate the, the smartphone compared to what uh, you can have a four year old Apple um, phone or I could have a four year old Android and we'll be absolutely fine yeah, it's yeah. up to us a personal choice whether you have disposable income to upgrade every single year but yeah, it's yeah. basically the same damn phone yeah, yeah. for years now right oh, absolutely um, and I feel like these companies are good in a spot where they can last beyond their founder and it, what happens is in situations like this we've seen it with Dana White as well it's like all right cool you've won the game you've won the game your company is a success Vince Dana Elon but what are they without this company Mm -hmm. what are they without you know the 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 products and the things that they're associated with and sometimes that you know bleeds into their ego they want to stick around and be that figurehead that's what I think is the problem I think there are like massive contributions from like all those people Mm. to get the thing that they were working on to the place where it needed to be right but then the problem is is once the company by itself is like sustainable there's an ego part that keeps that person there even though when they do when they don't need to be there mm-hmm. vince dana and probably elon in a few years like at some point he's gonna feel like uh, he maybe he already does feel like somebody who just absolutely doesn't even need to be at some somewhere like tesla mm-hmm. or something like that right yeah. like is he the one that's pushing these innovations he's basically just like a figurehead and everyone is all those guys are just figureheads at this point yeah but are when like Vince, do they become like a toxic figure within that industry and they're not positively contributing anymore and now they're like a negative contribution? I feel like Elon's had more of a toxic feel to his general like brand or, or PR because of Twitter yeah. more than Tesla. It's like he's been so divisive on Twitter where it's like it's 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 been kind of bizarre to see so much vitriol put against him from me who's 
just been following his career as someone that's invested in Tesla, owned a Tesla, never saw any of this beforehand. Mm-hmm. Or, or not never before, but nothing to the scale of what you see now. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's more of a different conversation about social media. And the overexposure of their character. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. All right, next question I got is, AIs will have goals that are different than ours. That is going to happen. Yeah, right? Inevitability. Th- there are AI theorists who yeah. talk about this all the time. It's funny because like we as humanity, we recognize how like short-sighted and flaws our goals are as a species are. Right? Like how many times have we not been contributive positively towards like climate change mm-hmm. or any of these like ethical questions that we have, right? Like when we talk about anything we want, sometimes it's very short-sighted of like all right, cool. I'm just going to keep using this cell phone even though I know it's bad for me. I'm just right. going to keep using social media even though I know it's bad for me. I'm going to hand it to my kid even though I know it's bad for me. Why would any life form, be it alien or AI, not walk in and be like, yo, you guys got this all wrong and then mm-hmm. correct it for themselves? Yeah, they probably would. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that like the inevitable thing that's going to happen? Like are, if, if these things were to exist? Yeah, it kind of comes back down to your perspective of whether you think AI would be good whether it would be bad, like uh, Elon's whole thing, and this is kind of this is a bit heady, but his whole thing about getting the microchip in your brain is to almost be symbiotic with AI mm-hmm. and to be symbiotic with technology that we are already kind of working with, whether it be smartphones, laptops, the internet, and if he feel his his kind of theory in a roundabout way is if we can have a a symbiotic relationship as AI continues to develop then it, it, it would kind of lead more towards a positive path versus us letting it almost kind of like grow and develop on its own and then almost be like, oh, hang on a second, we can just wipe out this inferior race and just take over the whole damn show ourselves. I, I think the thing is no matter what, there's always going to be like a certain level of prioritization of like capitalism mm. that no matter what, it doesn't matter if we figure out that this is bad for us, we're still going to push for it to go forward because we know it's going to be worth something. Oh, listen, it's not going to matter. I really I think, agree. I'm fully on the doomsday side of like, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, shit's yeah. just going to go bad because like, I don't believe that there's going to be somebody who steps in who's going to be convincing people that like, yo, we got to stop this because like, regardless of what's bad, this is going to destroy us. It goes down that to- That person doesn't exist. Yeah, it goes back to Ronnie Chang's uh, character, yeah. David in yeah. Megan. Yeah. There, there is going to be a person out there um, who, you know, because of like the economy that we live in, uh, it's all going to be about making the dollar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Bottom line is this not seeing the forest from the trees. Yeah, exactly. Last question I got on this end is, do you think Megan passes the Turing test? I'm not uh, just for like the listener, like in other words, like is her consciousness and awareness enough for her to exist with humans and be respected? Right, because she's so like like emotive, and she's able to move so much. Yeah, like is there a point where we can actually respect her as like uh, a an, an entity, or does she need to be presented in a way or in a form that's like more human and more comfortable to be viewed as human to gain like respect as a human being, or like respect as something that we would give as humans? It comes down to your age, and I think that's why it's fantastic that this story is about a young girl. Yeah, right. Because think about young kids and maybe the relationship and friendship they have with animals and pets right and even adults right you 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 have you own a dog and you have a special bond with your dog mm-hmm. you may not have that kind of similar relationship with a a, a robot like a megan but a seven-year-old eight-year-old 
they may not be able to tell the difference between a pet and a dog. They're going to have that bonding moment yeah. like we see in a movie. Mm-hmm. And again, it's very kind of like heightened yeah, in yeah. terms of the scenes that they kind of play out here. Yep, yep, yep. But it kind of just gives you a peek into the door and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier on about children and kids and what they view as real or not real and who they view as friends and, and all that kind of stuff and the yeah. relationship building that they kind of go through. Yeah, yeah. This was the end of the bro science or bro philosophy <laughs> segment of the show. But uh, our next thing I want to talk about is our categories. Let's go into best character. Who did you have for this? I'm curious. She'll only be, Obviously, Megan is like the character. Yeah. But at the same time, she's not the human, right? Is her performance as a character enough to take over oh yeah of course i mean come on amy donald plays megan and then it's voiced by jenna davis Mm -hmm. so like it's like almost you know a combination of the she's also part cg too yeah she's all like three like are like a bunch of different things that are like kind of put together to make this weird uncan uncanny valley of a performance where it's like that feels really real yeah I don't know how comfortable I feel with this. It's like picking a favorite character from like Avatar. If you want to say that the Takoon, the the whale-like creature is a favorite character, that's completely CG. I'm like, yeah, cool. I get it. Because the, the, the character had like actual, you know, dialogue. Yeah. Right in the movie, which is kind of like crazy to think about for a second. But like, yeah. Uh, but no, for me, it's definitely the title character. Yeah. It's Megan. Um, just fun. Just real, real fun. For I me. agree. It's. I think she's so iconic. And uh, she feels very like... Uh, even without, like you said, feeling heady and feeling like something that kind of forces you to have like this philosophical thought process or ethical thought process, like yeah. it, it just kind of generates these questions in your head, right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, like this is a very thought-provoking movie. Yeah, and also leaning into that, isn't that what like the best, whether it's kind of like all the way deep horror or kind of like comedy horror, isn't that what the best franchises always have is that iconic character mm-hmm. that will just see you through yeah. four or five, six movies down the road, yeah. right? Whether it's Ghostface, whether it's Chucky, whether it's whoever. That's what we have in Megan. It's another, you know, iconic character in this genre. Yeah, yeah. I fully agree. Um, what about best scene? Take your pick. I personally went with uh, Megan killing that bratty kid yeah. in the forest. Yeah. Because first of all, I thought the setup was fantastic you kind of know where it's headed but when she's like pulling on his ear i was like oh that's gruesome and i kind of like i thought that was the very first time where you see her go all out in terms of actually like killing and um not kind of killing herself but kind of leading to the death of uh, of that poor kid being kind of trampled over by a car but yeah that scene in the forest i was like all right cool we're about to go all the way now yeah. and she's in kill mode i loved it. it the way she just changes stances yeah is like one of the coolest things because she goes from being rigid to like just falling on, like on a, all fours just her john jones and like yeah just goes off and we're like oh shit and that was creepy and that was probably the most suspenseful part like imagine some a creature like that chasing you down yeah. like i remember there was an episode of black mirror that had like um, pet AI dogs mm-hmm. that took over the world and, and like all these kind of like robot dogs like a pack of them were all on fours chasing down humans and killing them like yeah, imagine yeah. that happened that's wild. wild wild stuff for me I'll preface it by saying I always look back at like a movie like Ex Machina mm-hmm. right and I think about this scene where Oscar Isaac has like this dance number go ahead dance with her dance with her no you don't like dancing she does Come on, buddy. After a long day of Turing test, you gotta unwind. What were you doing with Ava? What? You tore up her picture. I'm gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. And it just, like, establishes, like, the relationships with all the characters perfectly. It looks amazing. 
And it's got so much like swagger and pizzazz about it. Yeah. Because of like the music and the vibe of it all. That's how I feel about this scene in Megan where Megan, she walks into the hallway she does her dance yeah. and she kills Ronnie Chang's character David. Mm-hmm. That scene is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am going to watch that a hundred times. Like, every, like, if I scroll on Twitter and somebody uploaded that, like when we do it inevitably, uh, when that's on Twitter, I'm going to stop every time and watch that mm-hmm. because it looks so cool. Yeah. All right. Like, as far, like, remember I was saying how, like, I was rooting for Megan sometimes? I was rooting for Megan. She looks so cool and sassy. <laughs> I, obviously people are like recreating the dance and all that kind of stuff already but like come like Halloween that's going to be at the peak yep. it's just going to be something that people are doing all over they're just going to have to replace that little flip she does Yeah, because yeah, yeah. not everyone's going to be able to do that no, no, of course. <laughs> but I, I, it also says something that like you know these business folks don't feel any sort of accountability unless the product like the product is so massively successful mm. but if it dooms society then it's just the creator's fault Yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean like there's definitely it's a always, disconnect there. There's always, uh, you know, blame to place around. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how they approach this sequel. What about star rating wise, five being the greatest movie you've ever seen, zero being the worst. Where does this movie end up for you? I gave it a 3.5. And, and that, uh, I want to make sure people realize this is like a good 3.5 yeah. that, that I'm giving strong for me. Because str- strong 3.5, like fun time, good time. I'm actually down for watching a sequel in a few years. Yeah. So and this time I'll probably watch it opening weekend because I yeah. think it'll be fun. Uh, and also just to kind of like branch off of what you said in terms of where they could potentially go if I'm not mistaken all of her stuff got downloaded onto like a database or in the cloud or it, something it was right? like her Alexa basically right whatever that is like yeah. it got downloaded into that so that's you know that's an easy way to kind of like yep you know the the core blueprint of her you know AI makeup is on a laptop somewhere yeah. and who knows do we get the same looking Megan or do we get a different looking Megan yeah that's a very kind of interesting thing to explore going back to what we just said about iconic characters mm-hmm. like you want to see the iconic character stay the same yeah or do we just get a completely different look down the road yeah i have a feeling we're gonna almost see like a better version of like irobot mm-hmm. from this movie you know right. what i mean like a movie that's like much better executed and like way better sensibilities than irobot but yeah. like i imagine like the amount of robots that are going to be created in the sequel are going to be huge mm-hmm. and it's going to be like a fleet of them that are chasing down humanity that'd be fun um i had such a good time i rated this one four stars yeah uh i think the story like the only downside i think people could give this movie is like that it's very predictable right, right? Yeah. and i think that's absolutely true it is very predictable but i have zero problem with predictability yeah, yeah, yeah. if the execution is on point and this movie is all about execution yeah and on top of that like you mentioned like watching this movie opening weekend when the sequel inevitably comes out if that movie is like rated well and like received well by like critics i can imagine it'd be the kind of movie i go out of my way to find a good environment to watch it in. Mm. you know what i mean because i would love to watch this movie around megan fans mm-hmm. you know i feel like they would be like hooting hollering having a yeah, great yeah, yeah. time in the theater and that, I, that's why i thought maybe they would you know a sequel would maybe be released during halloween because you're guaranteed a good crowd yeah like if people halloween weekend are like watching it megan you know it doesn't matter where you are at. It's going to be a guaranteed good crowd. Absolutely. 100%. But yeah, that's everything for Megan. Let's get into our last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. Jamat, what is your recommendation this week? I think you're going to love this. Um, you love music. You're passionate about music. And so we're just a few weeks away from the Super Bowl. And last uh, last year's Super Bowl halftime show was so iconic. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest of all time. It was Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg. It was kind of like, you know, it was in L.A., did the whole West Coast uh, kind of show. And it was the first time it was such an ensemble uh, cast of like, Tupac musicians. Hologram. Tupac Yeah, all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? So Wait, Was Tupac Hologram there or Coachella? No, he, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, shit, but, but he basically... Um, 
Dre did the piano yeah, yeah, to yeah. I Ain't Mad At Ya. I don't even remember it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that you don't yeah. remember because <laughs> I'm recommending the show, California Love. Mm. This is a uh, documentary on Showtime and it goes behind the scenes to find out what it took to put together one of the greatest Super Bowl halftime shows of all time. That's it's, awesome. it's so cool because you get to see how hands-on Dr. Dre is on the look, feel, and the general production of something so historic. And everybody else is there. You see Mary J. Blige and Snoop Dogg and the people behind the scenes uh, involved with the show and what it took to put put it all together. I enjoyed the watch because I really enjoyed the halftime show last year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good time that they just dropped it. I think they just dropped about a month or two ago. Kind of like, you know, leaning into everyone kind of getting ready for this year's Super Bowl. So there you go, man. It's all available on Showtime. It's called The Show California Love. It's a behind the scenes documentary on last year's halftime show. Who's the halftime performer this year? Uh, Rihanna. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's actually exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, something else you might uh, enjoy is if you think about who's been doing the halftime show performances in recent years. So you had Shakira, J Lo. You obviously had you know, Dre and the crew last year. Rihanna this year. You know who's involved um, or who's been a con- outside consultant in basically selecting who's going to do the halftime show. Mm. It's essentially Jay Z. It's Rock Nation. Uh, uh, I think it's Rock Nation Entertainment yeah, or yeah. Rock. Some it's an iteration of the Rock Nation like business. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, it's basically Jay Z telling the NFL this is who you should pick to do the halftime show this year. That's great and it's been like that for a few years now yeah i wouldn't be surprised like rihanna is like a fantastic choice number one but on top of that like seeing who she can bring out Mm -hmm. would be epic yeah yeah she can bring out like the world and they'd be massive she and again she didn't even need to but like could you imagine her and jay-z yeah yeah that's what i meant that's that's actually my thought process like just to see if she can bring out she She, just brings out jay-z she could do her and eminem like she's got so many great collaborative like songs but she's also got an incredible like a resume of her own songs by I herself, right? I hope she right? just does, like, you know, does this all and puts out an album, for God's sake. We mm. haven't had an album since, like, 2016. Doesn't it feel like it's happening, though? Because she dropped a couple of songs for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Now she's doing the halftime show. She's had a baby. It feels like this is, like, her comeback now. I would think so, but she just made, like, a billion dollars off her makeup line. So, like, who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. for her, like, I'm sure she's... Because, honestly, her last album, Anti, I think is one of the... It's her best album, number one, but mm. it's one of the best R&B uh, pop albums that we've had in the past like 10 years mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and i think for her like i can imagine there's a lot of pressure when she dropped a project like that yeah. to follow something like that up I, I i don't know i think it's gonna be interesting to see where she kind of goes next she's definitely got a lot of material like, she's a mother now yeah. she's been through a lot like, yeah. since then a lot of like material in terms of like writing songs yeah 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 it's gonna be interesting to see where she goes but uh it's funny the nice like detour of like rihanna yeah, conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh let's get into uh, well, Bra's pick this week actually is kind of what I talked about before. It's a scene I mentioned before. Ex Machina is my pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a beautifully shot sci-fi movie with a. It's all about like kind of similar to Megan. It's about a genius who creates a super advanced artificial intelligence robot, and it also, like Megan, raises a lot of like philosophical and ethical questions about technology and progress and how we should be treating these things that are inevitably going to exist. Right? Like we don't know how to deal with that right now, but I'm sure the shittiness of humanity will make that whole experience very interesting because it's going to pose a lot of interesting questions of like how do we treat these things that we would call things but at the same time have like the same sentience that we do same kind of consciousness that we do and have like a similar emotional effect on us that we Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be interesting to see how 
we kind of navigate that as humanity. But on top of that, this movie does it for you. It's fantastic. Go out of your way to watch it. Ex Machina is actually probably one of my favorite AI movies, period. Yeah. Um, I love AI movies. I love movies about robots and cyborgs and all that kind of stuff. And this is easily up there. Top three, top five. Absolutely. No fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's everything for this week. Gentlemen, where can anybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor. You got 20 seconds, rate and review us. It honestly goes a long way. Taking that time out makes a massive impact on helping us get found by new audiences. Awesome. Thank you for checking us out this week, guys. Take care.